I'm Jimmy James. I'm Carl Knapp. Carl is a practicing attorney in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. We're longtime friends, and once a week we get together to talk about divorce, child support, custody, criminal law, and much more. So come hang out, because this is Just Lawing Around. All right, guys, welcome back to Just Lawing Around. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about DUIs. And first and foremost, I want to say that this is not intended to encourage anyone to drink or drive drunk. Uh, we don't agree or condone that, and this is not to help you get out of a DUI. This is for education and discussion only. And if you're thinking about driving drunk, you're putting yourself at risk, at serious risk, and others at serious risk, and we do not condone that. But moving forward, we're going to be talking about DUIs from uh, the, the crime elements of it, the probable cause, uh, you know, the, the field sobriety testing and the blood alcohol tests that they can take, uh, the court processes, and many other things in between. Um and yeah, so Carl's here. Say say what's up, Carl. Hey, how you doing, James? I'm good, man. Feeling a lot better. Good. You sound you sound better. Yeah, yeah. I got my energy back. My voice is back. I'm definitely I'm doing good now. And and I know you're excited to do this episode, the DUI episode. Yes, I've been. I, so I know that you do family law, and I know that you probably prefer family law over criminal law. But you do get criminal cases, and that's where I enjoy our conversations the most. Is when we're talking about criminal stuff and you know policing and things like that. Yeah, I, I used to do a lot more criminal law than I do now. But yeah, I've handled a lot of DUI cases over the years. I find it interesting. You love the criminal stuff, but you don't even drink, right? So no, you don't, I don't. Worry, you don't even have to worry about it, do you? <laughs> I, no, I don't. But I, I'm a big believer in, you know, First Amendments and, and the rights of people and their civil rights. And, you know, I don't think anybody should drink or drive. I think if you do that, you're you're not a good person. And <laughs> I, I yeah. but I do like the fact that we could talk about the criminal aspect and, you know, the way police police it and whether they overstep their rights and things like that. Yeah, and DUIs, it's a tough, it's a tough charge. Obviously, we don't want anybody out there driving drunk. But there are a lot of people just don't know their rights if they get pulled over for a DUI or what a cop has to prove to show that you committed a DUI. Sure, There's and, a lot and of you could be you could be pulled over for DUI and be stone cold sober. So th this doesn't just apply to people who are actually driving drunk. What if you're not driving drunk and you're caught up in being pulled over? You're in a DUI checkpoint. Things like that are stuff we're going to talk about. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, to start, uh, you had mentioned a little bit of the elements of the crime. That, that the grand overview of it is you have to be operating a vehicle, which means not necessarily driving, but they say in physical control of a vehicle. And the interesting part is it's not necessarily a motor vehicle. A lot of people are surprised that you can get a DUI on a bicycle. Or there's actually an, a case in Pennsylvania where a guy got a DUI. He was driving, he was out in like Amish country with a horse and buggy. Yeah, and see, now I, <laughs> yeah. I, I've had this argument so many times with, with friends when this comes up. And I don't, I don't know how far you want to go into this, but... I don't think you should be able to get a DUI on a horse, and I'll tell you why. Because the difference between a bike, a car, a skateboard, a scooter, is a horse has a conscience of its own. It's not going to walk off a cliff if you try and walk it off a cliff. You know what I mean? Where everything else will. Yeah. I agree. You have, although you have some control over a horse. If you make a horse, I don't ride horses, so if if I sound dumb, let me know. I don't think you ride horses. <laughs> I've ridden a few horses. <laughs> have you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm actually afraid of them. They're too big. But, oh my god. Um, <laughs> but if you're riding a horse and you're drunk and you make the horse ride down the middle of the road. 
that's I don't think a horse would do that, right? If you if you made him ride, you know, you rode him out into the highway or something, you could really hurt yourself. Or if a car hits that thing, people driving the car. Okay, are going to be all injured. right. That's a different perspective. I didn't think of. Sure. Okay. I'm yeah. with you on that. I never I'm even more, thought of that. Yeah, sure. You could steer it right onto a highway. Yeah, you could drive the horse right down the turnpike and people would be swerving to get out of the way or crashing cars to get out of the way. Or if they hit the thing, I don't know if you've ever hit a deer in a car, but a horse is a lot bigger <laughs> than, than a deer. I've is. seen like videos car. where like a moose gets hit by a car and that's, that's pretty damaging. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And a lot of times it kills a driver, right? So, yeah, that's okay. So that's that's an angle I never considered. So yeah, I see that. I can see that being a DUI now. We we don't. I've never had one with a horse or a bicycle, but I know people that have got caught a DUI and charged with DUI on a bicycle. And I think the same theory probably applies. If you're drunk and you're riding a bicycle, it's dangerous to you as a person. They're really trying to protect you. I guess you could also do the same thing if you're riding down the middle of the road or something. You're going to cause a traffic hazard. So they just don't want drunk people out there i get that and like i I totally understand it but i'm very conflicted on it i don't think a bike should be a dui like give me public intoxication or disorderly conduct or something else i tend to i tend to agree and i haven't seen the skateboard case i would assume it would apply to a skateboard there was a very uh, popular case where a guy was driving a tractor like you know you cut your grass with one of those tractors yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was he was out on the road on that thing i don't know where he was going that's great <laughs> he was he was drinking and they pulled him over now that's a motor vehicle i guess that has an engine to it but see but, the problem yeah. i have with the bicycle stuff is like you know a dui no matter what affects your license and I don't feel like yeah. a bicycle infraction should affect your driver's license. I mean, if you chose to get on a bike instead of a car, I, I think that's a better decision. Not I, that I you should do agree. it, but it's a better decision. I, I tend to agree. I, I would much, if people are out drinking and bicycling as opposed to drinking and getting in a car and driving around, I think you're right. I think getting in a car is way more dangerous and you're endangering way more people driving a car than a bicycle. Right. No, I totally agree with that. And since we're talking about like different vehicles and stuff, okay, let's let's talk about a car or motor vehicle because I've seen people on, you know, like cops and stuff like that where the car's not even running. They're just passed out in the driver's seat trying to sleep it off and they get a DUI. Yeah, and that's that's not uncommon. It it, it used to be you had to actually be driving the car. But there was a lot of cases over the years that came down, you'd, you'd have the guy that was driving, you know, he would leave the bar, he would be driving home and he would realize, hey, I'm pretty drunk, right? Right. So he would do that, actually, what I would think is the responsible thing and pull over, right? Pull to the side of the road to maybe sleep it off. Right. And then, of course, if you're, you know, sleeping in your car by the side of the road, invariably a cop's going to come by at some point. Right. But those, there are cases that you can be found DUI for that because they say, well, you're actually in control of the vehicle. It's generally yeah, one of the first things the cops are going to say is, how did you get here? And you're, yeah, well, the that, most dumb people are going to say, oh, I drove here. <laughs> that's that's exactly right. You you get in trouble immediately when you say, I drove here. Right. If you're, you shouldn't be doing it. If you're going to do it, if you're in the backseat, you're less likely to get charged. If, 
well, if you're not the car at all, you know, if you go right. lay in the grass or something. But yeah, when the cop comes up and says, <laughs> how'd you get here? And you say, well, I drove. Right. That's, you just put yourself back in the driver's seat. Right, but, right. But you don't actually have to be driving around. You could be sleeping in the car, sleeping in the front seat, and still still get hit with a DUI. So okay, you, so... You before we go through like the the actual process of you know like when you get pulled over and you know what the cops go through, uh, I wanted to talk about the different levels of DUIs. Um, you know whether there's you know the different I guess the different kinds of infractions. You know there's there's accidents, there's accident with injury, there's DUI without an accident, or you know there's an accident involving yeah. nobody else. Like uh, those different infractions, they obviously uphold different penalties and, and different things. Have you seen, uh, you know, things like that? Yeah. The, the DUI statute in Pennsylvania, it's, it's kind of convoluted. I mean, it's not as simple as Joe, you were just driving a vehicle and you consumed alcohol. It has, it has various uh, parts to it. And the first part, you, you have like, it goes from kind of less serious to more serious. So the, the first part of the DUI statute is called general impairment, right? So that means you're not able, you're incapable of safe driving. So, right. And, and so, with, that, with that statement, I'm sorry to cut you off, but when you say no, no, no. Um, the impairment, I think it's important to point out that that doesn't just apply to alcohol because we've, we've been saying alcohol, 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 but you, yeah. DUIs apply to, you know, Drugs, self-medicating, Drugs. you know, things like that as well. Anything that puts you under the influence of something. Yeah, and, and the statute's a little bit different when it comes to drugs versus alcohol. And it can also be a combination of drugs and alcohol. The alcohol portion of the statute generally goes by your BAC, which is your blood alcohol content. And they have, they have various um, degrees, right? You have what's called general impairment, which is the lowest, that's it's a 0.08 to a 0.1% of BAC. If your BAC is a between a 1.0 and say a 1.6, and the cutoff's a 1.59 to be specific, that's called a high rate DUI. And then if you're above a 1.6, 1.6 or above, that's called the highest rate DUI. And then you oh, also- Oh, so protection. based on your blood content, there's different levels. Yeah, yeah so- I didn't know that. You, yeah, the higher the the more alcohol you have in your system, the stiffer the penalties, and the um, the more um, serious the offense is. So, if you have a .08 versus a a two o, you're going to get more trouble for the two o, right? Than you would for a lower so a lower is BAC. .08 illegal if you if you blow .08 or is it above .08? It, it's .08 and above. Okay. So, so you want to be 0.07 and below. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and the other thing that a lot of people don't understand is there there's something called general impairment, which means if even if you're below a 0.08, you can be found guilty of a DUI if the officer determines in his expert opinion and we can go down the road on this one. Yeah, I don't like incapable. opinions in this. Yeah, that you're incapable of safe driving. Okay. So, and, and this came about, it used to be, so you could have somebody who drinks a lot and they drink a lot and they may be, you know, like an alcoholic may be somebody who could walk around, 
you know, stone faced with a with a one seven or a one eight BAC, and they wouldn't slur their speech because they're so used to drinking, right? right? And if you have somebody like who never drinks, they might have two beers or a, a shot of whiskey. Their BAC may not be over a point oh eight, but it'll affect them differently because they're not used to it. Right. Okay. So it becomes a little tricky. Some people who are used to drinking, they know the effects of alcohol and they can kind of mask them. Right. They could be have very high BACs, but you wouldn't know it because they're so used to walking around drunk, right? Oh my God. They build a, they build a tolerance and an ability to control it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've heard that you term lightweight or heavyweight, right? A lightweight. Yeah, sure. Somebody, yep. Two beers and they're laughing and giggling and falling yeah. down. Right. If that person gets pulled over, even though they don't have a .08, if the cop says, well, this guy was swerving, he was over the center line, he was over the fog line, he was slamming on his brakes, they could make a determination that that person was incapable of safe driving based on the amount of alcohol, even though the amount of alcohol is less than a .08. Well, so the cop making that decision, I mean, like, DUI training isn't something that every cop goes through. Like, that's a specialty, right? And and does that, does the officer with DUI training need to be the officer that's doing the tests, you know, the field sobriety tests and stuff like that? They should be there to observe the tests. So they they will generally say, okay, the person smelled of alcohol. The person was unsteady on their feet. When I asked them questions, the person had difficulty answering my questions. When I asked them for their license, they couldn't get it out of their wallet. Uh, right. When I was asking them. So they'll build a case based on observations like that. Okay. In, in the law, people can – lay people is what we call them. Lay people are non-experts. Lay people can make an opinion as to intoxication. Now, cops, you need more than just – but if, if I run into you at a bar and I go, wow, you know, James, he was really drunk. Mm-hmm. I, I can make that dis, I can make that observation just based on I've met other drunk people. I've hung out with people that drink. Right. I've, consumed alcohol. So based on all my experience with people that drink, I, I, my opinion is that he was drunk. Okay. So cops, cops can kind of do the same thing. Like you don't, as we said in the beginning, you don't drink, but you would know somebody who was drunk. You could make a, for the most part. Yeah. 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 If somebody was reeked of alcohol and was slurring their speech and was unsteady on their feet, you could say, Hey, I think that person was drunk and I think that person shouldn't have been driving. You may not know what their BAC is, Right, but, but my observations, like, you know, if yeah. it walks like a dog and acts like a dog, it's probably a dog, right? <laughs> no, I get that. Um, I guess one of my other questions is if you have, if you're in a car and you're you have alcohol in the car, it's open container. I mean, you, it's not like you could get charged with an open container, but but can't you legally transport alcohol? You can legally transport it, but you cannot have an open container in a car. So how, so how does that work? I'm going to a so Christmas party. I have some bottles of alcohol here I want to take to the family. What, are I going to mail it? <laughs> no, no. As long as they're not open. In other words, if you if you bring in a bottle of wine, if you're bringing a bottle of wine to Thanksgiving, that's fine. Yeah, but what if it's a half a bottle of wine? If it's a half a bottle of wine and the cork is in it, right, I think you'd probably be okay. Now, now, but wait, 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 let's clarify this. And the cork yeah. is in it and it's in the passenger seat, in the back seat, in the trunk. Where? Where are we talking? I think anywhere in the car, I would say that's not an open container. 
Okay. It's not out. Now let's let's do this scenario. You and I go out, and since you don't drink, I say you drive, James. Uh-huh. And I I crack a beer and I'm sitting in the front seat. I'm sitting in the back seat, drinking sipping a, a can of beer. Okay. And we get pulled over. That's it's not DUI, obviously, because you don't you're not drinking, you don't have any alcohol in your system. Right. But there there is a section of the vehicle code that says you can't have an open container where it's a driver or passenger. So whose responsibility does that fall on? It would be the person who possesses it. So if in my case, it would be me. Okay. I have an open container and it's only a summary offense. I don't want to say only a summary offense, but yeah, you, it was a it's, citation. Basically a, it's basically a ticket. Right. right? Now it, it also, you got, it's, it's also going to raise a red flag with the cop Oh, sure. Of course. Oh, I want to search got, your car. Now, what else? Yeah, is you get now out of the car. This, Let me do this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if he's drinking beer, maybe the driver's drinking beer and, and you know, we, we go down that, that path. I mean, I would say that that's reasonable to say, okay, if, if the guy in the passenger seat is drinking beer, there's a likelihood that the other person may be drinking it too. I understand that assumption. Yeah. And that's, that makes sense. It's funny because there is an exception for like, um, limousines or like party buses you know you see these party buses if it's a commercial vehicle for transporting people like a limousine or something you can drink champagne in the back of your limo if you want that's not a that, problem that's that's so is there a special <laughs> license for that is, is it a commercial license yeah yeah you would have a commercial because you do that on planes too and you know pilots are like some of the right. biggest alcoholics <laughs> yeah yeah and i don't know how it would apply it's interesting now that you mentioned like like in an uber right um they're similar to say a taxi cab, right? So can I sit in the back and of an Uber and drink? That's a good question. That's a good question. I would probably say no, uh, because it, it's a different license if you're transporting people. Like you know, like a bus driver has a different license, and I think a limousine driver has it. It's a different class of license. I yeah, think. it's a it is a commercial license. Yeah. Because you so, need you need to have a commercial license in order to transport people that you don't know correct. As, as a job. You know what I mean? Correct, but not a, not Uber though. No, not Uber. I, because Uber is like you know subcontracting or whatever. Like you're you're your yeah. own own employee basically, your own boss. And it's a good it's a good plug for Uber now. So if you go out and drinking and, and you don't want to drive, call Uber, right? We should no we should Uber get should be calling us a sponsor. <laughs> we should get a sponsorship for Uber <laughs> or, or Lyft, whoever calls first. <laughs> I don't know, man. I I feel for the Uber, Uber drivers. I got to deal with those people. To be honest, uh, it's probably well, a nightmare. I I think it is. You know, not to get too too far down off, off topic here, but I think it's really been a benefit for i think it's really reduced drunk driving quite honestly oh i agree but i mean that. do you I mean, want to I... be that guy that's you know picking no. up some person that's plaster <laughs> drunk puking in your back car back seat like that's what i'm talking about well then, then you get a one-star rating is that what they do that they... yeah then you get a one-star rating because you had to clean up their puke and they didn't like it like come on man. <laughs> i agree i would never uber i mean not that it, i think it's great for people but it's i'm I don't like people enough to do that. <laughs> uh, you mean drive as an Uber? Yeah, drive as an Uber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you would take an Uber. I've taken Ubers, would... yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah? Yeah. 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 So, look, if you, go to, if you go to drink and you you take an Uber home, right? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I, I kind of wanted yeah, to you, ask you, you... I'm sorry, did you want to finish the thought there? 
No, no, I think we went through all the, uh, I think we went through the varying levels of DUI. And then I think we may have touched on just that there is one that involves drugs and we can, and that would be marijuana. That would be prescription drugs. It could be, you know, and, Heroin, and those are, meth, fentanyl, all yeah, yeah, yeah. All those, there's, there's called schedules of drugs. And if you ever read the schedules, I mean, you got to be a pharmacist to understand it, but yeah. they, those are different because those are usually any amount so the 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 marijuana people you know everybody even if it's legal a lot of people think well i have a prescription for that i have a prescription for vicodin because i have a bad back well yeah so with a prescription you're allowed are you allowed to have it on you at that point or is or no you can no you can't have it in your system that's no no, but like possess it can you oh yeah yeah you can possess it but you can't people think they can drive on it like no, I wouldn't think take, that. You can't take Percocets and then drive, even if you have a script. If you have medical marijuana and you're smoking medical marijuana or ingesting edibles, you can't then go and drive. Right. I, I think a lot of people- the same thing with alcohol. I mean, you can drink it, but right. you can't drive on it. Right. That's ex- yeah, that's exactly. And that's what I always tell people. A lot of people think, well, I have a script for it. And I'm like, well, you know, I can go buy a bottle of vodka, but I can't drink it and drive around. Right. It's not a- not illegal for me to buy it or possess it i just can't drive with it all right so say you're suspected of dui or we're not going to say whether you're drunk or not like in this scenario i guess it really doesn't matter but say you get pulled over suspected of dui and the officer says hey i want to talk to you can you get out can you come to the back of the car and have a conversation with me do you have to comply with that you do have to comply if they ask you if they ask you to exit the vehicle Yes, you have to exit. Assuming the that they do have probable cause to pull you over. Correct. And we, yeah, we kind of skipped over whether they can pull you over in the first place, right? As you had said. Well, we could talk about that. Yeah, there, there's probable cause. There's reasonable suspicion is a little bit lower. And it. I don't want to get too heady on that. You know, I've been a lawyer for 30 years and I still don't fully understand between reasonable suspicion and probable cause. They are, they're almost identical. One's a tad lower. Reasonable suspicion, I think, goes to if you want to further an investigation, right? So you're coming down the road and the guy's swerving, right? But he's mm-hmm. not really going over the lines, but he's back and forth in the lane. Okay. He hasn't violated he hasn't violated the vehicle code, right? I guess if he goes over the center line, if you have a violation of the vehicle code, then you have probable cause to stop. Right. But suppose he's just, you know, maybe he's hitting his brakes a little too much. He's kind of back and forth in the lane. You think, man, maybe there's something wrong with this guy. I'm going to investigate further. So you can pull over. Now, that's, that would be reasonable suspicion, right? That, that maybe the person is drunk. Okay. So you pull them over and then you're going to do further investigation and say, okay, where are you coming from? You know, can I see your license? Can I see your registration, your insurance, all that stuff? And at that point, they could ask you to get out of the car to do a further investigation to so, see if you're steady on your feet, that kind of stuff. But right there. So it, it, you can reject that though, right? Like, Well, so my question is if you reject that, what are the ramifications? He either has to arrest you for DUI or is he going to arrest you for obstructing? Is that actually obstructing? Or or do you have a right to not comply with that? You don't. There, There's case law in Pennsylvania that says you, if they ask you to get out of the car, you have to get out of the car. That's about it, though. That's about all you have to do. You have to get out of the car, but you don't have to answer questions. 
You don't have to do any tests that he might ask you to do. So, but you do have to get out. And they usually say that that's for the safety of the officer and to allow him to do a further investigation. Yeah. They find that that's a reasonable intrusion on your right of privacy is you know, kind of what they say. Okay. But once you get out of the car, you don't have to do anything. So you can deny a blood alcohol test. You can deny the breathalyzer. You can deny walking the line, doing the alphabet, following the light, like all these different things that they're going to do. You could decline all that. Yeah. The the field sobriety tests. Yes, you can decline. And a lot of people don't know that. If they say, hey, I want you to come over here and walk, walk, you know, the straight line. Um, I want you to do the alphabet. You can. You don't have to do those tests. But see, now, the they cops, they use a lot of intimidation to get you to yeah. do it. But what are the ramifications of you not doing it? I mean, the cop at that point needs to make an educated decision whether he thinks you're drunk or not, and he's either going to arrest you on it or he's not. Right? Correct. So, he has so, to make a decision. I'm as sorry. To whether the, or not, yeah, that he has probable cause to arrest you. Which is what if, the tests are giving him. So the tests aren't correct. actually, are they like used in court? Can they be used against you? Or are those tests solely for the, the cop to validate his decision of arresting you on DUI? The tests, the tests usually would become irrelevant because if, if, if you fail the field sobriety tests, they're going to then take you in and they're going to give you a breathalyzer or they're going to draw blood to get your BAC. Okay. So if, if they arrest you, they take you in, they draw blood and you're a one seven, they don't need the test anymore because I have a blood result that says you're a one seven. And the statute says, if you have a one seven or higher or one six or higher, then you've committed the crime. So they have a just they just have a legal right to just poke a needle in you and take your blood. Only if you're under arrest. Why? Because at that point you're in the custody of the state. Yeah, there, and you there's lose your a, rights. Well, there's an, there's what's there's an implied consent rule. Oh my god! I know, and then I know it. <laughs> Everybody loves the implied consent. I, I, I can't stand that stuff. You're not, I was gonna say this is gonna. I know you want to. My face <laughs> is turning out, red. <laughs> I know this is. Gonna, you're gonna love this one. All right, right? let's go. <laughs> and we don't want to get too. I, I don't want to get you too angry, right? But if <laughs> in Pennsylvania they always start with this, right? Your right to drive is is not really a right. They always say it's it's not a right, it's a privilege. So if that. you want yeah, if you want the privilege to drive, you have to agree to certain things. And one of the things that you agree to when you get a driver's license is that you will consent to blood uh, testing or breath testing if you get pulled over and charged with DUI. So okay. it's called the implied consent rule. So it means once you're arrested for DUI, you have to take that test. Okay, I understand that. I, I right. don't I don't like it, but I understand that getting getting a license is essentially an agreement slash contract with the state and you agree to these certain terms and conditions of having a license. But what if you don't have a license? <laughs> well, if you don't have a license, I guess if you're if you're operating a vehicle Yes, you're breaking the law, but you don't fall under those terms because you didn't agree to them to begin with. I think you're still, I think you still have to, if you're driving and if you're operating a vehicle, 
license or no license, and they arrest you for DUI, you have to take the test. Now, if you don't take the test, and I always, I always try to clarify this with people, we're talking about two different tests, right? The one, the first thing we were talking about was field sobriety tests, right? The breathalyzer and you blow in the thing so, or you walk yeah, the line, that, et cetera. That's, that's the thing. Those are the tests that are when you're standing by the side of the car, right. the field sobriety tests and the, you call it a breathalyzer, but it's that, that's that portable, they call it a PBT, a portable breath test. Right. It's a little thing you blow into and some of them just show presence of alcohol. Some of them show an actual reading. That's you, crap. <laughs> yeah, those you don't have to those you don't have to take but once a you're presence a presence of alcohol that's all it says no <laughs> so it was, yes <laughs> that that's crap because a presence well, of alcohol does not mean you're over the limit <laughs> no no it doesn't but it, it it certainly if you have alcohol in your system and you are operating a vehicle okay you're allowed to have alcohol in your system and operate a vehicle well it depends. It depends on if that alcohol renders you incapable of safe driving. Right. Well, that that's all I'm saying is if there is a point of alcohol, there's an amount of alcohol you're allowed to have in your system. So mm -hmm. that breathalyzer that just says detects alcohol or doesn't is crap. <laughs> well, I think it, I think it's a I think it's a cumulative thing, right? So they do that says there's presence of alcohol, and then you fail the field sobriety tests. And you're slurring your speech and your bloodshot, glassy eyes. It's always the same thing, right? No, I see. See, you're you. Yeah. You keep bringing up the examples of the guilty people. <laughs> I keep thinking about like the innocent people, you know. But I guess it does make sense that you're talking about the guilty people. But for the innocent people, you're allowed to have up to point zero seven in your system. So that okay. that test is bull. So, so let's so we do the innocent people. They they arrest you, right? Based on that. And I'm assuming under your scenario, the guy, if the guy passes all the field sobriety tests, then the question is, are they going to arrest him or not? They may not even arrest him, but suppose they do. They arrest him. Then you go in, you take the real breathalyzer or they draw blood and it says you had a 0.06. Right. So now you're below the 0.08. So you don't have that violation. Then the only question is, did that 0.06 render you incapable of safe driving? Yeah, but what if all of this is what? What if all this didn't? I mean, just in one scenario, if it didn't, if you weren't drunk, you weren't incapable of driving, you got arrested for DUI, you were taken in. I mean, that's a pretty serious civil right violation, isn't it? Well, it's it's not great. You probably <laughs> you probably not. I mean, it would either get maybe they wouldn't even charge you, or they would dismiss the charges. Or you you know, if you got the right attorney, I'm sure they're going to kick that case down the road right that case is going to get sure if you represent them yeah is it is it a pain <laughs> in the butt yeah uh it's it's a headache it's a pain in the butt but people get arrested all the time and then not charged yeah I, that's, uh, unfortunately, that's such a waste of time yeah i'm not crazy about it but people get arrested and they ultimately either no charges are filed or charges are filed or they're later withdrawn or they're later dismissed it happens all right. Well, I guess the draws back on on point here. The the uh, the implied consent of the blood tests, they can do that. They can, they can just do that because when you agree to drive, you agree to have a license, or or whenever you just operate a motor vehicle, you're, you're as soon as you touch the road, you're agreeing to those terms. Correct. Okay. And and you don't want to you don't want to refuse that. You can refuse it, right? They're not going to hold you down and draw blood. Oh. But if you if okay. you refuse it, it's a it's a bad. It's it's a bad there's additional penalty if you refuse it. 
So what it does is it... Yeah, but if you refuse it, then they don't have the evidence to convict you of a DUI. That's correct. They don't have the evidence to convict you of a DUI. They don't have a, they don't have a BAC to use against you. But the, the penalty for refusal is, is they put you in the highest category anyway. So they, they, you, first of all, you get a one year license suspension for a refusal. So that's a big, so no matter what, by refusing you're suspended, by refusing. And, and even if you this is only the blood test, not the field sobrieties. Correct. Okay. Correct. And, and you got to, right. You, the field sobrieties, you don't have to take the other one. I say you have to, you don't really have to do anything, but I would take it because you're going to okay, get a no, no, this, this changes it for me because I thought they had to write, just, just pin you down and pull your blood out. I didn't know no. that you, you could. Okay, yeah, there's ramifications for it, but if you really don't want someone sticking a needle in you, you can refuse it. You can. You're going to pay for it, but you can. Okay. Because there's been some cases that say, you know, people, oh, I'm afraid of needles. Uh, that doesn't fly. There's, I'll do the breath test, but not the needle or not the blood draw. That, that doesn't fly. You don't get to choose. Because some, some police departments still use the old breathalyzer. Where you, the thing you blow into it, right? Uh, other most stations now will have blood drawn, so they draw blood and then they send it to the hospital and it gets tested by a lab. So, but you don't have the right to choose. You can't say, "Well, I'll do I'll do the blood, but I'm not doing the breath." Okay, but you could take a year suspension and just deny yeah. it. You can do a year suspension. Now, well, wait, wait, wait. What if you take that year suspension and deny it, but you you end up winning the case? Do you still have that year suspension for the denial? Yes. So that yeah. stands no matter what. Yeah. And those cases. What a scam. I, I know. Those, <laughs> the problem with it is that the one-year suspension, the, I mean, the refusal is tough. The one-year suspension is worse than you would get with the DUI usually. Right. Because, and it's in addition to what you get on the DUI. So if you get a, if you get a one-year on the refusal and you get 12 months on the DUI, you got two years of license suspension. They don't run at the same time. They run consecutively. That's that's crazy. That's tough. So I tell you, probably, and when you say they don't run at the same time, that means it's two years. It's not one correct. year combined. Right. Correct. Okay. There are one. You have to finish the one before you start the other consecutive, like a consecutive sentence. Okay. Right. So I would take that. I have so many problems that. with this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, do you do you eyes? They have written every time somebody would come up with a defense to a DUI, right? You'd have some creative lawyer, and they've changed the DUI statute over the years, right? You have you have some creative lawyer that would come up with a way that would they'd find a loophole, right? And they would they'd start winning cases. So then, then what happens is they change the statute, right? Because people would just be like, "Well, I'm not going to take the test, so you can't prove what my BAC is," right? So now you have to go on general impairment. Okay, general impairment, it sounds trickier than it is. A lot of these cops have dash cams, right? Right. And I I have cases, obviously. One of the things you ask for when you have a DUI case is I want to see the dash cam. I want to see the video. <laughs> well, sometimes you see the video and you go, holy crap. <laughs> right, right. 
That guy was very drunk. bluntly obvious. Right. <laughs> You've seen cops, right? Where, oh, yeah. oh, where yeah. they where they fall off the roadside and they so whether I have your BAC or not, I may not need it. Here's the video of the guy trying to do the uh, one-legged stand. As right, right. Falls off the road into Which the Which is why you don't do that, because you're just giving them more evidence against you. Yeah, that, that's true. I sound like I support drinking and driving. I really don't. You're, you're not. I, if you drink no, and I, drive, you're making a terrible decision and you're affecting other people. But I hate the way that, you're, you know, I feel your rights get, like, invaded on or, or like... Just if you get pulled over, just shut up. <laughs> you know that, what I mean? That's generally whenever you're dealing with the police, that's generally the best strategy is to just <laughs> shut up. Because a lot of people, they get yeah, they're coming home from wherever a bar, or a restaurant, or a wedding, and they get pulled over, and a cop comes up and. First thing they usually ask, you know, license registration, and then they usually say either where you're coming from. Or have you had anything to drink tonight? Which both, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. You stopped me for, for a bad tail light. Why are you asking me this? Right. And most people, if they were drinking, will say, hey, I'm going. Uh, they, they're they probably thinking in their head, well, I just had six beers at the bar while I watched the Eagles game, right? So I'm going to say, I'm going to try to be somewhat true. I'm going to say I had two beers, officer. Right, which which has confirmed his suspicion. Right, it's the worst. It's it's a terrible. Oh, I had a glass of wine with dinner. Well, if you're going to say that, first of all, you <laughs> you've decided you've decided you're going to lie anyway, right? Because you know you've had six beers, so you're going to lie and say two. Right. So what's the point? You might as well just lie and say zero. No, I haven't. <laughs> any, you're or lying anyway. Nothing. <laughs> right, or say. I choose not to answer that. I invoked my Fifth Amendment right to remain right. silent. That's the best. People don't want to do that because they think, oh, I'm just going to talk my way out. I'll say I had two beers. I'll say I had a glass of wine. Well, the problem with that is a lot of cops are, are very intimidating. So when you invoke your Fifth Amendment right and you say, hey, listen, I, I, you know, no disrespect to you, but I'm invoking my Fifth. I don't want to talk. They look at that as noncompliance. And it's not. It's an exercise of your rights. But they treat you as it's noncompliance. And then, you know, that can open the door for, for well, they'll start threatening you. That'll open the door. For, well, we're going to charge you with obstructing or we're going to charge you with disorderly conduct or impeding our investigation. And those things are generally intimidating enough for somebody to just say, right. OK, fine, I'll answer your question. Right. And those they're not going to tell you you have the right to remain silent because they don't have to. Right. At that point, and, you know, everybody says Miranda, you know, Miranda warnings. No, and, it's just an investigation. It's not an arrest. Yeah, right. You're not arrested at that point. So Miranda doesn't kick in until you're detained. Right. And I, I'm sure we'll do another episode on, on that kind of stuff. Cause, but, but the cop doesn't have to say you don't have to answer that. But you don't – if you don't answer it, then – if you say I had two beers, then you've just acknowledged that you're consumed alcohol and now you're driving a car. You're sitting and you're there just the giving him probable cause. Right. You, you're, he's halfway there, if not more. Right. So it's not a great – where are you coming from? Well, you know, I'm coming from the, the bar down the street. Okay, that doesn't mean you were drinking, but it's one more piece in the puzzle. Well, all right. So I, I have a scenario for you, which I briefly talked to you about before we started the podcast. But I was driving one time 
and I got pulled over. And the first thing the cop said to me was, I'm pulling you over because you were riding left of center and you weren't maintaining the center line of your lane. Now, he never said that I went out of my lane. I didn't cross or touch the yellow line or cross or touch the white line or fog line. So I got pulled over for that. And he immediately says, you know, I suspect you may be drinking. Have you had any drinks tonight? Where are you coming from? And I vaguely remember, but I, I, I know I said... I know I said where I'm coming from is irrelevant and I don't drink. I've never drank. I don't do drugs and I have no interest in either of those. So I'm sorry, I'm not drinking. And the cop started using his, uh, you know, his tactics against me to to push me further. And I kept trying to decline them. But at the time, I didn't I didn't know my rights i wasn't extremely clear on them so he asked me to get out of the car i said look i don't want to get out of the car i'm not drinking i don't want to comply with your tests he used his intimidation tactics and i fell for it so i said all right fine i'll get out of the car and he ran me through a couple tests i think one of them was you know follow the pen with just your eyes not your head while he held a light over his finger um I, i think i had to do some alphabet stuff maybe some counting but i never had to walk the line or do any balance tests or anything like that i think it was pretty clear pretty quickly that I wasn't drinking. Mm-hmm. So I guess I have two questions in this. Well, one, since I was invoking my rights and I wasn't answering his questions, he slammed me with a couple tickets. Uh, I was pulled over on the side of the road. There was no shoulder. I used my four-way signals, you know, as a precaution because I was on the side of the road. Um, and he charged me with improper use of those. Couldn't believe it. <laughs> charged me with, I think you heard of that, I guess. <laughs> so it, it was some, I could pull up the ticket, but it was related yeah. to my, my warning, my hazard lights. The word hazard light was in the fine. Um, right, okay. So I got that. I think another one was uh, swerving or uh, something, something along those lines. I don't specifically remember. But mm. from my understanding and from our conversation, um, well, one I was trying to say was that I got thrown, I got hit with tickets for invoking my right, which I felt like was a, it was like a, um, you know, his reaction or whatever to me not doing what he wanted me to do. A retaliation is what I was looking for. Um, but the original stop was for not maintaining a lane or or staying left of center, which is not a crime. So my no, question it, to you is when he walked up to my window and if I was educated at that point and said you were you weren't maintaining center line center lane, you were left of center, could I have just said that's not a crime? I'm not staying. I'm like I'm leaving. You you've not pulled me over for an infraction. No, because see, under your scenario, and that's a good scenario, because because you did not if you commit a violation of the vehicle code speeding, uh, go through a, a stop sign, you got a tail light out. If you have have a clear violation of the vehicle code, then they they have the absolute right to pull you over. Right, but in that your, wasn't a violation. Right, I was going to say in your scenario, they don't have a violation of the of the vehicle code, but what they have is what I would argue if I was him, he's going to say, "Well, I had reasonable suspicion that the guy was drunk because he was kind of weaving back and forth in his lane. I don't think that's enough, quite honestly, but that's what he would say. So I pulled him over to see if he was drunk, right? I'm just doing a further investigation. He hadn't really committed a vehicle code violation, but I I was pulling him over to see if he smelled like alcohol, to see if he, he was doing more of an investigation. Now you... When he did the further investigation, he realized, no, you weren't drunk because you passed the field sobriety test. You told him you weren't drinking. You told him you don't drink. So at that point, he can't charge you with DUI. What's he got left? He's probably a little pissed. 
Yeah. So, you know, use uh, illegal use of your hazards when you're stopped by the side of the road. I, I don't know what the statute says, but that sounds a little odd. He hit me with like three or four citations. I don't remember what they all were. Did you I, plead I, to them or what happened with them? Uh, we can get into that if you want to, but I ended up pleading to them for convenience. So if you want to go down that road, I'll, I'll make it short no, just no, so I, you I understand. Just... No, I'll give you a quick short story. I, w- I went to New York. I got pulled over for not wearing a seatbelt. Okay. I, I didn't know that you had to in New York. It's different here in PA. I paid the ticket, but PA never told Pennsylvania that I paid the ticket. So later down the road, my license ended up getting suspended and I didn't even know it because I apparently had this unpaid ticket in New York that I did pay, but New York never told PennDOT that I paid it. So I was trying to get a a job that required driving and I needed to do like a license test. So I got PennDOT to sort out the whole thing and I just said, look, I'm just going to plead to these tickets to get them out of the way so that I can get this job that I need to get. So okay. I ended up pleading to them only for that. Yeah. Otherwise, I would have fought all of that. <laughs> yeah. And, and look, a lot of these things are, you know, a, a matter of convenience or practicality. You don't have to take a day off of work and go to traffic court and fight the stuff. Right. Well, it I do have a, another question in regard to that, though. If you if I were to get pulled over, say, you know, riding left of center, which is not a vehicle infraction. OK, let's say I was drunk. That's the reason I was pulled over. Then I then he runs field sobriety tests. Then he realizes I'm drunk. I fail the test. I fail the blood alcohol test. Blah, 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 blah. The original cause of the stop. If we can go to court and fight that the original cause of the stop wasn't warranted. Does that throw everything else away that happened after? Yes. If normally on a DUI, once you get a blood alcohol, right, under your scenario, you go, they draw blood, you're whatever, a one five. So you've clearly violated the statute. Right. So you're, what normally happens is the way you would try to beat the DUI is you would have to go back and file what's called a, a motion to suppress. A suppression motion. And what that means is what you're saying is if the cop didn't have the right to pull you over in the first place, then anything that happened after that, which is the field sobriety test, which is the, uh, the you know, having the blood drawn or whatever, right. anything that happened after that is now what they call tainted, which means you can't use it. So you, you suppress all that evidence. Well, once you suppress all that evidence, they, they don't have, no have a case. case right? There's no case, right? Because there's no BAC. There's right. no field sobriety. So that is generally the way people fight DUIs. And this is, this applies to the same if you get pulled over and you have drugs in the car or anything that happens in a traffic incident. If you can invalidate the original reason for the stop, that can that can potentially throw away anything that happened after that moment. Pretty much, yes. It applies to really any search and seizure, right? It could be it could be a search of your house, right? But if the if the warrant was defective and they come in your house and they find drugs, but it turns out that they didn't have probable cause to get the warrant, it's the same thing. You suppress the drugs, the drugs don't come in into evidence, and the case goes away. Right. Okay. Same thing with the DUI, and you're right. Any kind of auto or vehicle stop. So that's really when you say you're not going to take the field sobriety test, when you're not going to take the portable breath test, then you get in the question, well, did he have the, did he have probable cause to arrest you in the first place? Right. 
Right, which is a big key factor to it. Which is a big key factor. And that's why, from a pure legal standpoint, that's why they ask those questions. That's why they say, have you had anything to drink? That's why they say, can you take the field? Right, because from hello, they're building a case. Correct. They're building a case and people don't understand. They're trying to obtain evidence so that they have enough probable cause to arrest you. Okay. And you're giving them probable cause when you say, yeah, I had two beers and uh, I was coming from the bar and yeah, I'll take the field sobriety tests and you, and you f- fail them. I'm, you're just the literally not handing easy. them yeah. evidence. Right. The, I, the tests aren't easy. I, I'm surprised you pass them. Some people, if you have, if you're an older person or if you have a bad, you know, bad knee or a bad hip or something, and they're telling you to walk the line or stand on one foot. And don't forget, this is usually at night, usually standing by the side of the road, which is generally, you know, sloped. Yeah, it's not it could be cold surface. out, it could be hot yeah. out. Yeah. There's usually cars whizzing by you, right? It's night. You got lights flashing in your eyes. You got cars you're whizzing. You're already by nervous. You. <laughs> you're nervous because you got pulled over and you're there by the side. Like, it's not, even if you weren't drinking, a lot of people wouldn't pass those tests. Yeah. So you just wouldn't. Um, so I don't know. I wouldn't take them. Even if I wasn't drinking, I wouldn't take them. Because it's it's just it's an unnecessary kind of, inconvenience, and you're yeah, just feeding them evidence. Yeah, exa- exactly. And even if you're sober, you're, you're feeding them evidence. <laughs> cor- correct. And under you, I think when you were talking earlier, yeah, they could arrest you, bring you in, give you a BAC, and it comes up zeros. So and I, I and they say, oh well, we I guess you were drunk. Go ahead, see you later. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> just screwed your whole night up. Right. Yeah. Just inconvenienced everything. <laughs> Um, I I guess I have two more questions for you, uh, before we wrap this up, which I don't know how far into them we can get, but one of them is, and you just talked about, you briefly touched on it, searches is alcohol or being drunk enough probable cause for them to search your car. And do you have a right to decline that? Yes, you have a right. You don't have to allow them to search your car. Even if you're clearly bluntly drunk. Right, because if you're, I, I guess if you look at the statute, the the crime is that you have alcohol in your system and you and you're operating a vehicle. Okay. So, what searching my car doesn't add anything else to that. Right, but you know they're gonna try to try and chalk right. on some more charges. If if I'm drunk and I'm driving a car, I've committed a crime, but that doesn't. Does it make it more likely that I have drugs in my car? Does it make it more likely that I have a gun in my car? Does it like what? How does that get them to? Well, we want to search your car for evidence of what DUI. I mean, I the, the evidence of the DUI is that I'm drunk, right? I have alcohol in my system, right? But a lot of people, again, when when we get back to a lot of people will consent to that. Oh, They'll I know. Say, yeah, I know. go ahead. Because the cop won't tell, they won't tell you. You don't have to consent to that. Right. They'll intimidate you to get what they want. They'll say, uh, is it okay if I, if we search your car and you'll, people will say, most people say yes, which I don't understand. Even if if you say no, then they're going to say, well, well, we're going to hold you here. We're going to go get a warrant or we're going to, we're going to impound your car or we're going to, you know, if you don't let us search us, you're going to be here. They're going to 
what you call the intimidation factors, right? They're going to try to intimidate you. Absolutely. And is any of that stuff true? They're not, most of the time, they're not going to go get a warrant because a warrant based on what? Based on that I'm drunk. Okay, I'm drunk and I'm driving a vehicle. Why do you have, what are you searching for? Right. Drugs, weapons. But they can't uh, use being drunk as probable cause to believe there might be alcohol in the car or something else. But alcohol is not illegal. Possessing alcohol isn't illegal. Okay. Right? So the only so, so the only way they can search your car rightfully is if they have probable cause from uh, something in in view, some plain view probable cause. Yeah, if you have maybe a like a, a pipe sitting out. Yeah, or if something. there's a gun on the you know gun on the um, front seat or right. right there's a crack pipe or there's a baggie. That's that's called plain view, right? That means they could actually see it. They're not actually searching; they just see it sitting there. And we'll we can do a whole podcast on search and oh, we seizure. <laughs> oh, we will. I, I know you. I know you love the search and seizure. I got some stories for that one too. <laughs> and it, it, look, this it all kind of fits together because DUI is, is kind of a search of your person, right? They're they're drawing your blood and they're drawing your breath. Absolutely for evidence of a crime so they have to have a, they have to have cause probable cause to do that um it, it's and if you don't have probable cause to do it then you don't you're not allowed to do it the cop just can't knock on my door at my house and say hey i want to come in and look around right and see, see if you got anything illegal in here right they got to have a reason for that absolutely yeah yeah all right so, i i think i have one more question uh, or one more topic at least uh in regard to this which is dui checkpoints um, are DUI checkpoints, I, I guess I don't want to say legal because I don't, I don't really want to go down a rabbit hole of, of, of constitutional rights and stuff like that, whether yeah. they're legal or not, but do you have to, all right. So let's say there's a DUI checkpoint, you know, it's up ahead. It's a, it's a traffic light ahead of you. You see it, you see it's going on. You see all the police. Do you have to go through it? Can you get in trouble for intentionally avoiding because i know they look out for this which cars are in the line turning around getting out of here so can you get in trouble for that and if you do decide to go through the checkpoint do you even have to roll your window down and answer anything because you have the right to travel you have the freedom to travel and that's uh, and that's the big thing you're right the freedom to travel dui checkpoints they're legal but they have to comply with some regulations because they do they're just you know, they're just setting up a roadblock and they're in, infringing upon people's right to travel. Right. So they have to, they have to advertise them. They have to say, okay, well, we're going to be setting up a DUI checkpoint on, you know, Saturday, whatever the date is at this place. It has to be set up where they believe that there's a lot of drunk drivers in the area. And it's usually on a Friday or a Saturday night. Right. They have to have some basis. They can't. They have to have some basis as to which cars they question, and I don't. I don't know if I've ever been through one. Have you been through one? I, like, no, I've never been through one. I, I don't think I've been through one either. But they can't. It can't be discretionary, so they have to say ahead of time we're going to stop every third car. So oh, they okay. They there has to be some objective reason because. Again, it all go, it all goes back to your constitutional rights here. They can't just say we're going to stand there and we're going to look at people. It's kind of profiling, right? And if right. we see somebody, a young male who looks like he's about twenty five, we're going to pull, we're going to ask 
pull him over or tell him to roll down his window. If we see, you know, a middle-aged couple, we're not going to bother with them. Right. Now it's that's a problem. It's a constitutional problem. In reality, the middle-aged middle couple is probably drunk because they can't stand each other. Yeah, or, <laughs> you know, you could say, oh, we're only going to, you know, if there's Hispanics or blacks, we're only going to, you know, harass them. You can't, you can't do that. So they usually have some sort of, uh, we're going to stop every third car or every fifth car or something. Okay. All right, so you're say you're about to go through a DUI checkpoint, and you know you see all the lights and everything in front of you. Are you allowed to turn off and and blatantly avoid it? Because I know that somebody's going to watch that. Can, if they see you turn around in a DUI checkpoint line, can they just shoot off and go after you? They yeah, they will generally have a car. They will have a, a pe- they watch people approaching the DUI checkpoint. So because when you get there, it's a pretty you know, you got flashing lights. It looks like, you know, road construction is a big, it's a big deal. So people come up to it. They realize it's a DUI checkpoint. Sometimes there's signs and then they do a U-turn. Okay. So they usually have somebody watching that. And But but you have a right to avoid it? You you have the absolute right to avoid it. And then like- you get back to your, then you get back to your probable cause question. If I avoid a DUI checkpoint. Is that probable cause to believe that I've committed a crime? That's a good question. I, I don't think it is because you have I don't no think articulable it is. suspicion. I don't think it is either. Usually what happens is they're going to say you you did an illegal U-turn. That's what I was uh, going to say. You, or you, did, when, you went through no through traffic or something like yeah, that. Yeah. When you swung around, you did it... Uh, aggressively or you turned and as you turned you went over the center line. they're gonna they're gonna make up <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're gonna generate they're gonna, probable cause they're gonna generate probable cause but even at that point if they pull you over all you have to do is hand them your license registration and insurance and shut your mouth sure because you, that, that, you you've only done a traffic infraction that's true. Or, or suppose you come up and you suppose you're approaching the thing and you just pull over to the side and you park your car uh-huh. And then they come over and they say, what are you doing? You're saying, well, um, assuming you haven't committed any crime at that point, you just pulled over to the side of the road. Or Usually they do these things though on like highways and stuff where you don't have. I was going like, to say they probably calculate where they do it yeah. so that you don't have many opportunities to avoid it. Yeah. And, and they don't. Yeah. It's usually like uh, I know they used to do them up in uh, like around Collegeville and stuff. There was like this one uh, off ramp and they would do them on. um 422 on the off-ramp so you really it wasn't like you could pull into the mcdonald's there on the right and say oh i'm just gonna go get a hamburger <laughs> <laughs> right right okay they usually you're right they set them up in places where there's they're kind of avoidance is difficult yeah, yeah. avoidance is difficult and there's kind of one lane in and one lane out and as i said they they put cars back you know a mile out or half a mile out to watch people because and then they usually will have it so you know the person does a u-turn and they they pull you over all right so let's go with the other scenario let's say like all right you're coming up on a checkpoint you're kind of stuck you can't get through it and you do you you end up being the car that stopped what what can you expect at that point you know what if you've never been through a dui checkpoint what's what's to be expected they're gonna they're gonna ask you they're probably going to ask you questions they're probably going to say you know if you had anything to drink tonight right same, same questions we talked about before you know where are you coming from um i would again you don't have to answer those questions i mean if you're 
Like if you're coming from the Wawa and you just got a cup of coffee, why create problems? And I, I know you you like to push the envelope and say I don't have to answer that question. Well, but you know, I, I at the you end of the day, to. I think it's easier to just you know, and some might say you're surrendering your rights by doing this. But look, if you're not doing anything wrong, I think at the end of the day, it's easier to just comply and be on your way. You know, right. I, that's you the could be, easy way. I'm not saying right. it's the right way. I'm saying it's the easier way. But what what happens is when you go through a checkpoint, what you can expect is they're going to ask, you know, do you have a license? Have you been drinking tonight? Where are you coming from? Where are you going? And they're going to let you go unless you right. show some kind of probable cause or symptoms of being drunk or they smell alcohol. Then they're going to tell you pull over to this secondary place where they're going to further investigate you. Cor correct. Yeah. If you roll down the window and, you know, it smells like weed, you know, you have burnt marijuana, they always say, or you roll down the window and it reeks of alcohol or you, you know, bloodshot eyes, if you're slurred speech, yeah, then they're going to put you over to what's called the secondary processing where they're going to probably try to ask you to do the field sobriety tests and all that other stuff. And your same rights apply over there, but, you know, you're, you're one step further down down the road in terms of getting arrested if you've already you know if you reek of alcohol or you reek with marijuana well know. so do you are, are dui checkpoints only allowed to pursue duis like are, can they if you pull up and you have a headlight out can they pursue that on you or 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 is this strictly like how a warrant is you know if they have a warrant for your house and they're looking for guns they can only take guns they can't take anything else is that the same scenario here or is that can they go after anything they can go after other crimes i don't think they're going to spend a lot of time because these things are expensive to set up and expensive to administrate uh, administer so i don't think they're going to could they yes but are they going to write you a ticket uh for an expired inspection probably not just because right. you know they're they're they looking for the bigger stuff right yeah now if you drive by and you got a you know there's a dead body in your back seat. Are they going to say, <laughs> right, right. Well, that's not a DUI, so keep going. Right, okay. <laughs> or if there's guns or there's weed, yeah, they're going to do it. A simple, if your taillight is out, they'll probably say, hey, you know, you got a taillight out, get that fixed. But they're they're pretty focused on DUIs at that point. And it, as I said, it's a big, it's usually a big operation. Sometimes they have DAs there. They usually have, you know, state police there. They have local police there. Yeah. Yeah. They go all in on that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big, um, it's a big deal. So they're not going to spend a lot of time on, on the rinky dink stuff. It's really set up to catch drunk drivers and they pick the roads based on the fact that they think that's where drunk drivers. Right. Be the likelihood. Out. Right. Yeah. I find it interesting. I didn't know that they had to have certain criteria where they can't just stop everybody, you know, every third car or every sedan or whatever the case is, that there is a random aspect to it. So it's not just checking everybody. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, they do that. And then that, again, is to try to make it more fair, uh, more constitutional. So, again, they can't just look and say, oh, we're going to put we don't like the look of that guy or we don't like the look of this guy or. Right. He's a young kid. Let's pull him over. Maybe he's smoking weed. Um, yeah, so they do it to avoid a lot of that kind of stuff, profiling type uh, criteria. All right. Well, I think uh, I think we covered a lot today in DUI. Um, again, this isn't and like this isn't to teach you how to get out of a DUI. You shouldn't be drinking and driving to begin with. But at the same time, during a DUI, you do have some rights, which we wanted to discuss. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to add to today's podcast? No, I think that 
covers it. I mean, there is a lot. There's a lot to DUI, and we scratch the surface. And again, we try to do general big picture. Uh, when you get into the law, there's always you know an exception to the exception to the exception. But, <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, for we, sure. Can, we could really get way, way, way down the rabbit hole. But I, th- I think we covered the big the big picture here. And um, yeah, if people have questions, they can they can reach out to me. I know you give my info at the end. So, yeah, if you guys need any legal representation in the Pennsylvania area, preferably like what Montgomery County, Bucks, Burks, those those type areas. Yeah. Um, his information is at the end of this podcast. Uh, again, Carl, I enjoyed the conversation with you today. I think it was a good podcast. And for anybody else, definitely like, share, and subscribe. If there's anybody that you think could use this information, definitely send it over to them. And uh, I guess we'll see you on the next podcast. The information contained in this podcast is provided for general information purposes only. It is not intended as legal advice or advice for a specific case or legal matter. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as an agreement for legal representation. This podcast and parties do not represent you in your particular matter unless there is an express written representation agreement. If you're interested in obtaining legal services, head over to NAPLaw.com or call 215-268-6333 and schedule an appointment today. That's NAPLaw.com, 215-268-6333. For more high quality music like this, head over to BenSounds.com.